Hello everybody, Mark Carlson here, SNEA Technical Council Co-Chair. Welcome to the SDC Podcast. Every week, the SDC Podcast presents important technical topics to the storage developer community. Each episode is hand-selected by the SNEA Technical Council from the presentations at our annual Storage Developer Conference. The link to the slides is available in the show notes at snea.org slash podcasts. You are listening to SDC Podcast, episode 160. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Tomasz Zawadzki. Uh, I'm a cloud software engineer at Intel, and uh, I'm fulfilling the role of SPDK core maintainer in the project. My name is Jim Harris. I'm a principal software engineer, uh, also in uh, Intel's data platforms group. I'm also an SPDK uh, core maintainer. Um, so Tomek and I would like to introduce our topic uh, today, uh, SPDK schedulers, uh, doing power savings in pulled mode applications. So first, we'll start off with the usual notices and uh, disclaimers. We'll let you read that offline more later if you're so interested. But let's go ahead and move forward to uh, to the good stuff. So first, an SPDK overview. So I'm sure a lot of you are already familiar with SPDK. If, if not, there's some other talks that you can go back and, and look at, SDC talks at other conferences. Um, but just to give a little bit of an overview, uh, just real quick today before we dive into our topic, SPDK is a, a framework for building high-performance uh, storage applications. And uh, you see a lot of uh, blocks there in that diagram. They really represent uh, sets of drivers uh, and libraries. Um, but also, SPDK includes fully functional storage target applications. And that's actually the basis for what we're going to talk about today is, is how to do get power savings from those applications. Um, SPDK uses a u- user space pulled mode programming model. Um, one of the key parts of SPDK is it's not just an open source project, but it is an open source uh, community. If you go out to our website, spdk.io, you can find a bunch of different channels to uh, to reach out. If you've got more questions on the talk we have today or just SPDK in general, uh, please feel free to, uh, to reach out there. So let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about the SPDK um, threading model. So, you know, we talked a lot, I, I talked uh, just briefly there about how we use a, a pulled mode uh, programming model in SPDK. And so I want to talk a little bit about what that threading model looks like, because it's really lays the basis for um, the scheduler stuff that Tomek's going to talk about later, um, later in our talk. So when you look at an SPDK application, it has, uh, you, you set it up to run on a certain number of, of cores. And so this, uh, um, the example we're showing here today is it's, it, we're running the SPDK application on, on four cores. And we run a, we call an SPDK reactor on each of these CPU cores. And this reactor is effectively a pinned uh, POSIX thread. So this is the only thread that we, the po- only POSIX thread that we run on each of these cores. And these are created by the SPDK application framework. So a little bit about that application framework. The, the libraries in SPDK are all designed to be integrated into um, existing applications, existing frameworks. But SPDK does have its own application framework to bring up these threads, to get them running on cores. Um, 
And so that's that's what we're going to primarily focus on today. But a lot of everything we talk about with SBDK threads today uh, is is independent and can be integrated into other application frameworks as well. Um, so these SPDK threads, these SPDK threads are really, a, it's, a, it's a lightweight threading abstraction. Um, there is no tie between an SPDK thread and a POSIX thread. By default in SPDK, um, you know, we typically have one SPDK thread uh, per CPU core. Uh, these are created by the top level block storage protocol library. So for example, when the NVMF library um, is initialized, the NVMF target library, it will by default create one SPDK thread that runs on each CPU core. Um, the other block storage protocols then may create their own SPDK threads to run um, on those CPU cores. And then at the top layer, the application framework, whether that's SPDK's framework or whether it's some other application framework, is responsible for calling uh, SPDK thread poll on each of those um, SPDK threads. And that's how those threads get an opportunity to actually do, uh, do their work. So next, if we look at what SPDK thread poll does. So each of these SPDK threads um, will execute code from a number of different libraries. So it could be the NVMF target layer. The NVMF target layer may call down into the block device layer. Uh, the block device layer may call into SPDK uh, block device modules like the NVMe driver or maybe CephRBD or libiSCSI. And these libraries will all register SPDK pollers. And these SPDK pollers become associated with the thread that they were registered on. Um, and these pollers are all responsible for polling on something. So it could be a, uh, an NVMe queue pair. It could be a ePoll file descriptor. So for example, um, in SPDK, we make heavy use of, of ePoll to pull like groups of TCP sockets or CephRBD event FDs. Um, it could be polling on an RDMA completion queue. And the key part here is that every time the framework calls SPDK thread poll, it's going to um, it's going to pull each one of those SPDK pollers. So each SPDK poller is going to get a chance to run to go check for and do some work every time the thread is pulled. Um, there is a small exception here. We do have the concept of timed pollers um, in uh, in SPDK, where you can register a poller to run at a, uh, a specific time interval. So for example, you want this to run every one millisecond. So of course, those pollers are only going to run once that millisecond expires. They're not going to execute every time that the thread is pulled. The other thing that these uh, threads do is uh, each thread has a, uh, a message queue. So we make heavy use. It's a, a shared nothing architecture. So instead of using locks in SBDK, if threads need to communicate, they can send messages to one another. And so that's another thing that SPDK thread pull will do is when a, a thread is pulled, it will it will run, you know, basically execute any messages uh, that have been sent to that SPDK thread. Okay, so how do we save power when we're idle, right? So now we have these SPDK reactors running. We have these SPDK threads with their SPDK pollers running in each core. But when everything's idle, all these pollers are doing is just using up uh, CPU cycles. And so, uh, you know, doing this, this pulled mode programming gets us great performance and efficiency when the CPU cores are busy. 
but what we've been looking at is how do we save CPU cycles when those core when those cores aren't as busy? You know, effectively when they're idle or when they're running, you know, a very very low I/O workload. And so, uh, you know, there's a few. There's a few potential ways you can do this. Um, there's some ways that some other uh, frameworks like DPDK are, are looking at. And so we're going to talk about a couple of those, why maybe they don't exactly meet with what we want to do with SPDK. And then we're going to move into the solution, the SPDK scheduler solution that uh, the Tomek's really been focusing on. So the first one is, is interrupt mode. So, you know, basically having, you know, SPDK uh, threads, which can effectively, you know, block on, uh, block on events. Um, we actually do have some limited support for this in SPDK. It's restricted to a very small subset of the libraries, though. Um, today, that doesn't include the NVMe driver. It does not include the NVMF target library. Um, it really only supports libraries that can that register file descriptors with the SPDK thread because then we can actually block on like a, an ePoll file descriptor. Um, so you know the challenge here is to extend this to the rest of SPDK becomes it becomes really really complex. Um, you end up having you know multiple uh, layers of nested um, FD groups. Um, you know, the other challenge is that every single library or module in SPDK then has to support this, right? Because you can't have one, you know, library that requires, you know, polling something without something that they can block on. And so uh, that becomes um, a challenge. Maybe at some point down the road, SPDK will support that, but that's not the, uh, it's not the direction that the project is taking right now. So next um, on, uh, on x86, there's some newer instructions in uh, in some of the uh, upcoming uh, CPUs for doing monitor and mWade uh, unprivileged. So being able to do these from user space. So for those that are familiar with how these work in the kernel, you can basically set up a monitor address, um, and then you can execute an mWade instruction, and it'll basically put that CPU thread, that CPU core, into a deeper, you know, power state. But once there's a write to that uh, that monitored address, it will wake it up. And so, these instructions are um, once these are available, user space processes can take this, you know, same approach and. This works really, really, really well when you have one thread that's pulling on one hardware queue. And so we see this a lot in packet processing applications. So for example, in DPDK, where you've got maybe a relatively small number of hardware queues, you know, receive queues that you're receiving packets for, and you can actually do a, a monitor on the next um, descriptor that's in the buffer ring. Um, but the challenge for SPDK is that we are typically polling many hardware queues from one thread, you know, so for example, in the case of like NVMe, where we may have a whole lot of NVMe SSDs in the system, but certainly when you're polling kernel TCP sockets, uh, you know, not only is it not a hardware queue, but you've got potentially tens or hundreds or even thousands of kernel TCP sockets that you're wanting to um, observe events on and the U monitor having that single address range doesn't really fit for that um, use case. So the, the third option is what happens if we could move these SPDK threads, right? So, you know, in this example here, we show that the SPDK threads that we're running on cores one and three are being moved to cores zero and two. And so um, this 
if we can do this, it allows us to put a CPU core to sleep, right? Because now cores one and three, they no longer have any SPDK threads that are running. Um, but then we also know that those threads are going to continue to be pulled on the cores that they've been moved to. And fortunately, this is very, very well supported by the SPDK threading model. So when those threads allocate resources, so for example, those pollers allocate an NVMe Q pair, or they you know, create a file descriptor for, uh, they have a file descriptor for a TCP socket, we only ever pull or touch those resources on that SPDK thread. So as long as we continue with that threading model, where we only touch those resources on that thread, it doesn't really matter what core we're doing it on, um, we're still going to be thread safe. And so with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Tomek, and he's going to go into um, SPD, SPDK schedulers and how they can build on top of this. Uh, thank you, Jim. So uh, uh, everyone, uh, Jim described how the SPDK threading model, uh, particularly threading library, works together with event framework to uh, allow for moving of the threads. But the actual uh, interaction happens uh, with the scheduling framework in a very similar manner. Uh, so I would like to describe how the uh, scheduling phases uh, occur uh, during a single scheduling uh, occurrence. Uh, one important part to remember is that whenever scheduling is in progress, uh, is happening, uh, the reactors, the cores, still pull the SPDK threads. There's uh, no um, no stop of the uh, operation uh, during the scheduling. So um, scheduling is performed on an interval called uh, scheduling period, which is set by the user. Uh, whenever he enables a particular schedule. When the timer uh, expires, uh, gather matrix, the first phase, starts. Uh, in similar fashion uh, to, uh, first it has to be mentioned that in similar fashion to SPK threads sending messages between each other, uh, so do uh, reactors by sending events, which is an abstraction on the uh, event framework uh, level. And exactly this mechanism is used to send uh, an ev events between uh, different cores to execute the gather matrix uh, function. Anytime an SPDK uh, thread is pulled, uh, the result uh, of the poll as well as the time of its execution is gathered. This makes it possible for gather matrix to uh, collect that information on per thread as well as per call basis. Uh, the uh, most important data here is the number of cycles spent executing the SPDK thread, and it's put into two types of categories uh, for threads that uh, did the work which is the busy TSC, as well as those that ultimately didn't, the idle TSC. This information is uh, available for both last scheduling period, as well as a total of a lifetime of a threat. Similar data, cumulative data for, for particular core is available as well. And there's a couple of other uh, parts to the structure here. Uh, it's the SPDK threads core, uh, that is, uh, uh, sorry, SPDK threads uh, L core assignment, 
as well as uh, data for uh, what currently uh, what current uh, core mode is, whether it was put to sleep or not. So once uh, gather metrics go over all the reactors, uh, the data is the input to the balance function, as well it will be the output of that function. Second phase of the scheduling is the decision point uh, where an action can be taken based on the previously gathered uh, information. So uh, schedulers uh, can decide to change the SPDK threads core assignment, can opt to put a core to sleep if uh, no SPDK threads are present on that core, as well as modify the core frequency uh, using SPDK governo. More on this on the next slide. So the logic behind the balance function is implemented by pluggable SPDK schedulers. On the right is the interface that has to be implemented by such schedulers. Uh, besides that, the SPDK scheduler register macro has to be called to make the event framework aware of the new scheduler. After that point, a user uh, can switch between different implementations in runtime using the framework set scheduler uh, RPC. And optionally, a scheduling period, uh, a custom scheduling period can be provided. Uh, at this one, uh, at this time, uh, one such uh, scheduler is called dynamic and it has been implemented. Later in the presentation, I'll go over the goals of the dynamic scheduler as well as the results of the CPU utilization comparison against the static SPK thread assignment. Uh, as I mentioned during the balance call, uh, uh, schedulers can optionally use what is called uh, SPDK governors. Uh, this is another uh, abstraction uh, that allows to change the frequency of a particular CPU core uh, used by the application, thus reducing the power uh, used by that very core. Uh, right now, uh, SPDK provides governor called DPDK governor based on top of DPDK's RT power library. Uh, it's possible uh, uh, similar to the schedulers, to implement new kinds of SPDK governors. And similarly, once uh, a particular governor is registered within the event framework, uh, any uh, scheduler can enable it during its initialization. And finally, this concludes the balance uh, function uh, implemented in the scheduler. And uh, now the Mm, operation moves back to the event framework where uh, the output from the balance function, uh, meaning the core info and friend in, uh, threat info structures, are fed back into the event framework. So two actions are taken based on the, the data, uh, on this balance uh, output data, changing the core mode, meaning putting a core to sleep or waking it up, uh, this action is performed on each core, depending on the, um, on the output from the balance. Another is marking SPDK thread uh, for move to a different reactor. This action is only performed on the main core because once SPDK thread is marked for the move, the reactor which currently uh, has the thread assigned is responsible for uh, first 
stopping uh, stop of the polling on that particular reactor, as well as sending an event to the destination reactor to start polling it there. Uh, after that, the scheduling uh, phases are complete. And next one will start on the next, uh, once the scheduling period expires. Uh, before the addition of the scheduling framework, the threads were assigned a particular core and remained there for the application's lifetime. Uh, the static thread uh, assignment is now part of the static scheduler, which reminds the, uh, remains the default. But in addition to that, as of the latest SPDK releases, users can enable dynamic scheduler via RPC. Besides adding the scheduler uh, framework, the dynamic scheduler has been a focus for us to prove out the concept. Uh, this particular scheduler's goal was to save power when possible, but not at the cost of the performance. Uh, dynamic scheduler will err on the side of caution when consolidating SPDK threads on particular core. Once an SPDK thread becomes active, it will be put on a core that allows for its best utilization, which means either an unused core or the one that is least busy across the application. In every use case, it is possible, uh, uh, sorry, in a very active use case, it is possible that no difference would be observed between the dynamic scheduler and static scheduler, uh, yet, for the cases when particular threads utilization goes down, it is consolidated with other SPDK threads. And if it's totally idle, it is uh, put directly on the main core. Any core uh, after such, uh, such move uh, is that is left with no SPDK threads is put to sleep to, uh, to save the power. Finally, uh, the CPU frequency of the main core when its utilization is low is reduced. Uh, and this is the, uh, the main core is the last remaining core whenever all others are put to sleep. Um, with that said, uh, now let's go over some of the performance and uh, importantly, CPU utilization data select cases comparing dynamic scheduler and static thread assignment. Uh, SPDK project publishes quarterly performance reports for key components. Uh, the following results are performed in similar fashion to the SPDK and VMF uh, TCP report, specifically test case four, which measures uh, NVMF performance with increasing number of connections. Uh, in this case, the um, and VMF TCP target, uh, one SPDK thread is present in each core and uh, 30 CPU cores were assigned for the whole application. Uh, this is the number uh, always used by the static scheduler and the maximum the dynamic uh, scheduler can use. On the next slide, uh, uh, CPU utilization shown will be measured for the whole system which means it can exceed the value of 30 CPUs in part due to, uh, for example, kernel TCP stack processing. Uh, to that target, two SPDK and VMF TCP initiators are connected, uh, each uh, consisting of eight uh, NVMF subsystems. 
Uh, FIO SPDK BDEV plugin is used to perform 4K random read workload on, the, on each of those uh, NVMe uh, subsystems where a couple of parameters are scaled. First, the QDEV is scaled to result in, uh, in higher utilization whenever it is increased for each SPDK thread. Meanwhile, increasing the num jobs parameter in FIO results in higher number of TCP connections being created to handle the uh, IO generated. Uh, this means that the uh, more TCP connections per each SPDK threads are present uh, on the target site whenever that uh, parameter is increased enough. This particular case shows the results when uh, there are 16 NVMF subsystems connected with NAM jobs set to one, resulting in total of 16 uh, TCP connections handling the IO. This of course means there are actively 16 SPDK threads being used uh, due to the number of connections. Please note that the line representing thousands of IOPS uh, in both cases are on the same level. That means that no performance was lost switching to dynamic scheduler in this particular case. Meanwhile, comparing the blue and orange bars shows the difference in CPU utilization between the cases. The orange is static scheduler, uh, consuming always at least 30 CPU cores as configured. Meanwhile, blue bars represent dynamic scheduler collapsing SPDK threads to minimal set of CPU cores, depending on the IO load. When QDEP8, uh, with QDEP8, the load is so uh, low that multiple SPDK threads run on the same uh, CPU core and the other CPU cores are put to rest, resulting in around 10, um, 10 CPUs being utilized across the, uh, during the test case. For very high IO load, uh, in case of QDEP 128, each connection needs to be processed on the separate core, resulting in all of the 16 threads occupying uh, a separate CPU core. The rest of the CPU cores are not used due to the low connection count, so they are put to sleep. Uh, that said, before going to the next case with increased number of connections, let's discuss some of the underlying mechanism uh, behind the NVMF SPDK polars, cupers, and TCP connections. As previously mentioned by Jim, SPDK uh, polars in NVMF TCP uh, pol and EPOL FD. The file, uh, that file description corresponds to a group of multiple TCP sockets. Each TCP socket uh, represents an NVMF cuper. And assigning the NVMF cupers to uh, NVMF uh, pole groups is done in a round-robin fashion. There is no guarantee that uh, cupers will be distributed evenly across SPK threads as well as a single SPK thread consist, can consist of multiple cupers with varying amount of activity. Another uh, is cupers connecting and then disconnecting, resulting in uneven number of uh, cupers for each SPK threads. Finally, another one is the initiator site can spread the load across multiple cupers uh, thus sometimes playing against the scheduler detecting the load on the target site. 
whole group mechanism or has worked great in the past for the static scheduler, with the, yet with dynamic scheduling in use, uh, it can diminish the benefits of such scheduling. The next, the next case shows the results when there are 16 NVMF subsystems connected with uh, num jobs set to four, resulting in total of 64 uh, TCP connections handling the IO, meaning all of the 30 uh, SPDK threads are actively being used. Uh, again, the line representing thousands of IOPS being in both, uh, in both cases uh, are on the same level. That means no performance was lost again. Meanwhile, comparing the blue and orange balls shows the difference uh, in the CPU utilization. Uh, pointing uh, um, on the low IO load with QDEP8, the SPK threads were collapsed to around 22 cores, but going uh, to 64 uh, QDEP results in capping out the CPU utilization similar to the uh, static uh, scheduler. Uh, all across the, those cases, some of the cycles are spent on calling uh, EPOL in each of the SPDK threads. Uh, better or possibly dynamic organization of NVMF poll groups across the SPDK threads would allow uh, to further decrease the CPU utilization in many of those cases. So having said that, let's go over some of the key highlights from this presentation, as well as next steps for the SPK event and scheduler frameworks. Uh, poll mode applications require special handling to save power and CPU cycles when idle. SPDK event framework now allows for moving uh, idle SPDK threads to put cores to sleep, thus saving power. Pluggable SPDK scheduler framework is provided to define when and where SPDK threads should be moved. SPDK dynamic scheduler was added. Uh, it consolidates SPDK threads on minimal set of calls and puts remaining calls to sleep. Even seeing the progress we've made so far, the work does not end here. The dynamic scheduler logic for uh, balancing could use further improvements. For example, one of the requests uh, we got was to provide a tweakable values uh, to the user to allow um, allow better uh, suitability for each of the use cases being run. The cost of multiple poll groups on a single core needs to be addressed to further uh, reduce the CPU utilization. And right now, dynamic scheduler is using a, a DPDK governor, only scales the frequency of the main core. This could be improved by changing frequencies of other cores, depending on their load too. Finally, dynamic scheduler prioritizes core selection based on their L core number, but the selection could take into account other factors such as NUMA node, hyperthreading, or uh, high frequency cores. Uh, thank you, everyone, for attending this session and hearing about our learnings uh, while implementing SPDK uh, scheduling. Thank you. And Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the material presented in this podcast, be sure and join our developers mailing list by sending an email to 
developers-subscribe at SNEA.org. Here you can ask questions and discuss this topic further with your peers in the Storage Developer Community. For additional information about the Storage Developer Conference, visit www.storagedeveloper.org.